Welcome to the Scott Ross Discipleship Podcast. Scott has been discipling men and women for more than 20 years and is passionate about helping you grow into the full measure of the maturity of Christ. Grab your Bible, something to write with, and your favorite warm beverage, and let's listen as Scott takes us deeper in our walk with God. Um, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, we know that they, they considered some of each other's writings to be spirit-led. Like, like Peter even refers to some of Paul's writings as scripture. Um, my guess is that they didn't know for sure. Now, that, let, me sit, let, me, let me back up. For sure, the Old Testament prophets knew when they were prophesying on behalf of the Lord because they would say, thus saith the Lord, right? The Lord told me to, in paraphrasing you using our modern English, the Lord told me to tell y'all blah, 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 right? So they knew they were speaking for the Lord in that, in that regard. But I don't necessarily know. I think, for instance, that David writing some of the Psalms didn't realize that he was being uh, carried along by the power of the Holy Spirit necessarily. Um, I think probably people like Paul and, you know, obviously John in his revelation knows that he's, he's giving a revelation that God told him to give because Christ appears to him and says, write down these things and everybody who reads it is going to be blessed if they read it. So he knows, okay, this is definitely from the Lord. So I think there's probably a blend. Without a doubt. <laughs> halo. They had halos. And, and, and the reason why I ask that is not so because sure. how, how does that do anything for us other than can we know when we're working under the power of the Spirit and when we're not working under the power of the Spirit? And I, don't, you, well, I think it's two different things. The, the Paul and Peter, they knew they had authority by the Holy Spirit to do what they were tasked to do, whether it was writing letters to the church, being in different parts of the um, the expansion of the church and the gospel, mm-hmm. but the canonization, I don't think they said, oh, this is going to be in the canon and this isn't. Correct. I think that was for later on, just like when we uh, say things to our kids or whatever, it's not a good metaphor, but, uh, you know, sometimes can you remember when dad said that one thing? Yes. And uh, the best example I can give you, and they remember it forever, whereas there, there's other stuff that it was profitable and good, but it wasn't remembered like that. It wasn't that important. Correct. Well, and this is why, you know, I always contend that we're, you know, we're playing little semantic games when we say sola scriptura, because sola scriptura is a tradition. (laughs) Like, there's a tradition that says sola scriptura. It doesn't say sola scriptura in the Bible. So, you know, we, like, the Holy Spirit definitely orchestrated the process of canonization whereby we affirm what is scripture and what is not. And it's true that the apostles knew they were under authority, but Mark wasn't an apostle. Luke wasn't an apostle. The writer of the Hebrew book of Hebrews, there's some really good scholarship I'm reading right now, um, really cool, fascinating, that Luke may have been the author of Hebrews. We're discovering that for maybe the first time in history, that it looks like he, we've wondered who was the author of Hebrews for a long time. But think about that. We didn't know who the author was, and yet the church said, this is canon. You know, the book of Revelation may not have been written by the apostle John. It may have been John the Presbyter who was on the island of Patmos. But it's still canon. 
So the Holy Spirit used that process. And so to answer your question, I don't think people really knew that that was going to take place, yes or no. Like you said, Paul wrote a lot of things. You know, we know he wrote a third letter of the Corinthians because it's referred to. Um, but, um, so the answer is much more complicated. For sure. <laughs> One of the things that I thought is, all joking aside, I don't think they like say Shazam and you know now they're covered in the blue light and they can write. But at the same time, as a writer uh -huh. or someone who paints, or David was a psalmist, uh -huh. I know, I've known psalm writers that uh -huh. say this. Um, they might know ex post facto. Yeah. There's a scene from Mash where, uh, forgive me, but no. Hawkeye yeah. tells Father, you know, McKay, who's questioning his spiritual effectiveness. Uh huh. And he says, Father, there's a lot of things I do as a surgeon that I'm really not good enough to do. Yeah. And the implication is that someone else is guiding me here. Yeah. Okay, so it's a great scene. And I think sometimes I write something, not necessarily spiritual, but I look back on that and it's like, wow, yeah. I'm a good writer. Yeah. That was beyond what I normally do. Yeah. So I wonder if sometimes they lifted their pen off the parchment or whatever they were writing on and they read back through it and they knew yeah. that came from somewhere beyond them because yeah. there's just no way they wrote that like that, that yeah. out of their own power. Without a doubt. I think maybe they do know, maybe ex post facto. Well, and, and, and keep in mind too, most of them didn't even write it. Most of them had somebody who wrote it for them. Right. They, they dictated it. So that's, that, that even further complicates the issue a little bit because there's some indication that the, whoever they dictated it to would have written it the way they would write it. Does that make sense? Like, like uh, you know, like my Greek is a little better than your Greek, so you say it, but I might make it, I might correct it. Yeah, this looks like it was written by the scribe of Paul. Exactly, exactly right. And uh, the Bible Project did a whole thing on letters and how yep. they were produced and yep. all of that stuff, and that it was not a, you know, Paul sitting down and writing the letter and sending it off, that it would have cost a lot of money that it would have taken a long process, yep. and it was not just Paul by himself. It was the scribes and maybe other people even in the room. Correct. Correct. I heard a while back, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard like, like the book of Matthew is actually like a biography on Peter. Like Matt, like Matthew was writing what Peter was. No, no, no. What you and uh, I don't know if that's what you heard, but what you might have heard, what's what's sometimes talked about is Mark would have been a biography of Peter because Mark was tr he traveled with Peter, and what the tradition around the Gospels says to us. And this is outside of Scripture, so we're we're being historians when we say this rather than. Uh, textual critics, but it, what this tradition tells us is that as, pe as people started to know that, well, Peter is crucified and Mark is carrying on his work and that people started to recognize, we're going to forget this stuff. Would you write it down? And they, they, the, the churches actually requested for Mark to write down all the stuff that they were passing down about Jesus's ministry that Mark had learned from Peter. Gotcha. Does that make sense? So is Matthew like like the Matthew of the Gospel? Is that Matthew the tax collector? Yes, that is the apostle. Okay. Yes. And when Moses wrote stuff down, he knew it was for the people. For sure. So that that was unquestionable. Without a doubt. Now, I remember one occasion. I can't remember the address, and I'm digging my brain to find it. But Paul, at one time, I forget which letter it is. He stops and says, "Now this is what I say." 
not the spirit, but this is my opinion. Yeah, it's 2 Corinthians, yeah. 2 Corinthians, he mm -hmm. actually says, this is my opinion. Mm -hmm. So to me, it says he knows at that time, at least during that time, he knows. It's a very good point. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean every single time. But yeah. Time. But what's funny is his opinion is scripture. <laughs> like, we don't say, by the way, you can ignore this line of 2 Corinthians, right? Because even then, he was, he was guided by the Holy Spirit. But that's a very good point you're making. So the answer is, again, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not a yes-no. Um, I think in many cases, they knew for sure, like the prophets, like Moses, um, like the Revelation. Uh, in many cases, they, uh, like you said, they, they, they probably looked back and said, wow. I mean, you know... Um, when we, when we evangelize, this should be our approach is, Lord, speak through me. I pray that all the time. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in front of somebody in all sorts of environments, on an airplane, in a hotel lobby, and they're saying stuff to me, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm, not, uh, like I'm a rude person, but I'm honestly, the whole time they're talking, I'm just saying, Lord, I need you to tell me, I just need you to say what this person needs to hear. When they're done talking, I'm going to respond, and it needs to be you. I just pray that all the time. You know, just being yielded. I had a buddy call it his, his flash prayer. Huh. Yeah. Flash prayer. Okay. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. He was on my tongue, or his word was on my tongue. So here's an example of a prophet, Samuel, who knew that what he was writing down was guided by the Holy Spirit. Micah 3.8, as for me, however, excuse me, I am filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord with justice and courage to proclaim to Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. So we see that the Holy Spirit very clearly inspired scripture. We saw First Peter tell us that. We've seen two examples in the Old Testament tell us that. Now we're going to get some really interesting um, new revelation in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament. And one example comes from Matthew chapter 22. It says, He asked them, How is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord? The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Now, this is Jesus asking the Pharisees a question and quoting Psalm 110. But who does he say wrote Psalm 110. The Spirit, here's Psalm 110, just one of the verses he's quoting. This is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So here Jesus says, how is it that David, inspired by the Spirit, says? He inserts this new parenthetical phrase that tells us it's the Holy Spirit that is guiding David's hand. We see a similar thing in Acts chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus for he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. So Peter is referring to three different psalms here in this section because this is the part of Acts where they've got to replace Judas. They've got to pick a new twelfth uh, apostle for Judas. And so he's going to quote three different psalms here, but he says, fulfill um, that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold. So the first one is Psalm 41.9, even my friend in whom I trusted, one who ate my bread, has raised his heel against me. Now, we know that Peter is referring to this for a couple of reasons, but one is Jesus referred to this when he's sitting with Judas in John chapter 13. He says, I'm not speaking about all of you. He's like, hey, don't worry, y'all are good. 
I know they, those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. So John, uh, or Jesus is quoting this Psalm 41.9 passage. He, he then, in Acts chapter 1, verse 20, that going back to Peter, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. That is a quote of Psalm 69.25. And then uh, also Psalm 109.8, let his days be few, let another take over his position. So I'm going back here, Acts 1.16. It was necessary the scripture be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold. So it's a huge revelation that the Old Testament was being authored by the Holy Spirit. This is something that we, we take it for granted now. Oh, the Holy Spirit wrote Scripture. But this is new information to the people sitting there in the first century. Like, these are all good Jews, and they're learning. Oh, there's this third member of the Trinity who authored everything. Okay, Acts chapter 4, we see another example of this. Um, you said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the people plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. This comes from Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. So again, Peter continues to show us that the Old Testament scriptures were authored under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the mechanism for the revelation. Is Lord there Adonai, you think? Or? Yeah, I think so in this case. I think so. Um, I can confirm that to you. By the way, just an aside, like this is just me, like a little uh, public service announcement. You know, I would just encourage everyone to really spend time in Psalm 1 through Psalm 7. It's just... Yeah, it's just incredible, the edification that happens in those seven psalms. Um, all of them are about the Messiah, essentially, and about Christ and about service uh, to him. So um, Psalm 1, like I have, a, I have a dream of something I want to do with Psalm 1 because it means so much to me. But all those first seven psalms are really amazing. Psalm 2 is about the fact that the anointed one is going to have everybody conspire against him, but he's still going to bring um, healing and Redemption. Okay, Acts 28, 25 through 27. Here he's going to quote Isaiah, disagreeing among themselves. They began to leave after Paul made one statement. So this isn't Peter. This is Paul affirming the same truth that Peter's already affirmed. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, Go to these people and say, You will always be listening but never understanding, and you will always be looking but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. So again, he's saying, the Holy Spirit said through Isaiah, blah, blah, blah. Hebrews chapter 3, another thing, a similar idea. He's going to quote Psalm 95. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. This is 
Psalm 95, verse 7 through 11. And then one more, he quotes Jeremiah here, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this, for after he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, the Lord says, I will put my law on their hearts and, will write, and write them on their minds. That's Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. So chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Okay, so J.I. Packer has an interesting quote. Um, does it matter that we think that the Holy Spirit is God? Does it matter that he is deity? Yes. Well, yeah. And J.I. Packer says this, Do we honor the Holy Spirit by recognizing and relying on his work? Or do we slight him by ignoring it and thereby dishonor not merely the Spirit but the Lord who sent him? In our faith, do we acknowledge the authority of the Bible, the prophetic Old Testament, and the apostolic New Testament which he inspired? Do we read and hear it with the reverence and receptiveness that are due to the Word of God? If not, we dishonor the Holy Spirit. In our life, do we apply the authority of the Bible and live by the Bible, whatever men may say against it, recognizing that God's word cannot be, but be true, and that what God has said, he certainly means and will stand to? If not, we dishonor the Holy Spirit who gave us the Bible. In our witness, do we remember that the Holy Spirit alone, by his witness, can authenticate our witness and look to him to do so and trust him to do so and show the reality of our trust as Paul did by eschewing the gimmicks of human cleverness? If not, we dishonor the Holy Spirit. Can we doubt that the present barrenness of the church's life is God's judgment on us for the way in which we have dishonored the Holy Spirit? In that case, what hope have we of its removal till we learn in our thinking and our praying and our practice to honor the Holy Spirit? It's only once we recognize His deity and we honor His deity that we then are going to honor God the Father and God the Son and be empowered to operate accordingly. And when we're not honoring the Word of God and when, you know, we are relying on other things, we're insulting the Holy Spirit. I was looking at the last sentence in the end of that case, what hope have we of its removal? Mm -hmm. uh, what, uh, could you it's referring to the barrenness of the church's life today. When did, when did he write that? Was that yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and I'm just thinking about modern day people move into Frisco or Prosper McKinney and they say, hey, where are we going to go to church? Man, this church, you wouldn't believe the stuff they have. They've got the, the youth program and the smoke machines and the worship is awesome and all this stuff. And uh, But they were saying this 50 years ago. That's absolutely right. That. That's absolutely right. Well, and, you know, the the life of the church... You know, the church is the body of Christ. So his body should be vibrant. And so the life of the church should be very rich and should be, you know, impactful. Like I talked about in my discipleship group last week. I said, you know, the gospel and the body of Christ should be like a jar of perfume. And when you uncork it, it you can't help but the room changes the smell. Right? It just is going to emanate out and you will smell the perfume in the room. Because, you know, we worry about, by the way, and one of the reasons I was talking about this, the context of my saying this had to do with 
uh, people feeling inadequate for the work of the gospel. Like I was really trying to encourage people using Peter's life. We just reviewed Peter's whole life and like all the reasons why he should have not been somebody that could be used and yet he was used in a mighty way. And I said, we don't have to worry about like being effective. Like when you uncork the perfume, it just goes out. You know, when we, when we are being used by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in us and we have this vibrancy in us, like it should just waft throughout our community. And so, you know, when we look at, I mean, you know, mega churches today, and I'm, I'm not picking on mega churches, but I just think, can you imagine, like, what it would have looked like if the church in Corinth had 50,000 people? I mean, that's like the whole town, you know? And yet, we have mega churches on every other block, and you know, we, do we see the impact on the, on the culture of that many bodies going into that building, you know? And, and that's what he's saying here is that there's a barrenness in the life of the church. And the barrenness is like a, he's saying it's a judgment of God, that's his opinion, for us not honoring the Holy Spirit like we should. Okay, well, I see they're letting out. We, uh, we didn't finish this particular topic of deity, but we're, we're getting close. Has this uh, been edifying? Yes. Okay, good. So next week we'll continue to, to talk about this idea of the revelation, and um, then we'll, move, we'll start to move into the progressive revelation of the Holy Spirit, how God revealed um, himself starting with the Torah and moving forward until we got to the New Testament and our, our full understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. So it'll be good. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We pray this has been edifying. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a shout-out on your favorite social media platform. Scott's username on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is Scott Ross Online. That's Scott Ross Online, all one word. Also, please remember to go to scottrossonline.com to subscribe, catch up on past episodes, and discuss what you've learned with others. Until next time, continue to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. God bless you.